Before we get started, a quick update for y'all. Recently, I had the opportunity to join the Lowe's Pro Council Ambassador Program. To break that down for you, that basically means we are helping provide feedback and ideas to Lowe's executives. And we're also spreading the word about Lowe's programs that are specifically designed for pros. Now, my personal philosophy on brand partnerships is this. I will only work with a company if I already use and believe in their product or service. And in this case, I've been a customer and a fan of Lowe's for years. I've actually always preferred to shop there. So I'm excited to announce this partnership. And in the coming months, I'll be sharing more about what Lowe's is doing to help pros. And on that note, here's a tip for you. Go buy your local Lowe's and pick up some spider blades for your saws. Why, you may ask? Well, they have ultra-tough nickel cobalt cutting teeth that make for the cleanest cuts. And it gets better. They last six times longer than regular blades. Lowe's asked us to try some out. So I gave a few blades to one of my senior guys in the field to see what he thought. And... uh his response, man, I don't need to try these out, but I'll happily take them. I use these every day. They're great. So that's spider with a Y. Check them out and let me know what you think. And as always, thank y'all for supporting our podcast and our community of builders. episodes I've been thinking about doing for a long time. I actually regret that I haven't done it sooner because I think it is such a absolutely existentially important topic. Um, And that is the topic of client selection or selecting your clients just as much as your clients are selecting you. And I think that's where we get it wrong a lot in the industry. We're so focused on making sales and getting contracts that it's this unilateral one-way street. We're focused on getting the sale. And that means working with any client that'll sign a contract with us. And that is an absolutely lethal form of thinking. Um, I think that one of the largest risks of many in this business and in any, but specifically to us is client selection. Because anytime we sign ourselves up to work with a client, we are in a sense marrying a one to two to multi-year agreement with somebody. When you factor in our warranty obligations, it's actually a lot longer than that. So like I said, I've been thinking about it for a long time. I got pushed over the edge just a few weeks ago. I was having lunch with a good buddy who has a design build company in town. We're sitting there having lunch and another builder walks up and we start talking with him and I'm going to leave names out of this, but uh, he is, trust me on this, one of the top most reputable Uh, high-end luxury custom home builders in Austin. Does a ton of volume, big company, 
great reputation, beautiful homes. So this guy walks up, we're having a good conversation, talking about some things, and somehow it comes up that he had a client a few years ago that was, in his own words, one of those put you out of business clients. And this guy got into a uh, build contract with this unnamed builder and uh, made life absolutely living hell. They spent $600,000 or, or thereabouts. My memory may not be serving me exactly right on this, but a ton of money on uh, the between lost sums on the contract plus the legal expense. And of course I asked them what, so looking back, was there anything you could have identified? Were there any red flags that occurred along the way? And he said, yeah, there were a few looking back on it. He said probably the biggest red flag was that the guy, um, really started negotiating my contract down. Um, he really started taking a hard line at a lot of the different provisions and clauses of my contract. And we went through multiple iterations and I just kind of conceded at the end thinking everything was going to be okay. So with that, I want to share with you guys my list of a few red flags things to stay away from. Um, before I jump into that list, I also want to mention that I'm not the only person talking about uh, client selection. There are a lot of people, I think probably everybody who's been in the business for long enough knows that this is an important topic. There have been some interesting methods out there that people have put together. There's uh, rumor here in uh Austin, that another very high-end builder has this practice of taking potential clients to dinner, the husband and the wife if they're married, and seeing how they treat the wait staff during dinner. I've heard that a few times from different people, so it quite possibly is true. It's an interesting method. I've heard of other methods like that, but uh, I think at the end of the day, it might be a little contrived, perhaps open to a little bit of bias. I don't really know how much good information you're going to get from little uh, tests like that. Um, but I do believe that some true principles focused on understanding what really is going to increase your risk are very important, absolutely um, life-saving measures. So Let's jump into a few of these right now, and I'm going to start with one that I already had on my list, one of my principles, uh, and that was uh, elucidated by the story I just shared with you guys, this other builder, and that was anyone who makes or insists on material changes to your contract is quite possibly someone who you should steer away from. Actually, not quite possibly, almost definitely. And I'll leave a little gray area in here by saying almost definitely. But in my opinion, it's to that degree. For me personally, if I have a client that is significantly marking up the contract, I'm pretty much out. And by the way, 
oftentimes that can end up being something that occurs in the 11th hour, right? You've been working with a client for months and months on the pre-construction phase. Hopefully you have your pre-construction contract signed and then you get to the point where you can sign your actual construction agreement. You start exchanging and reviewing the contract and uh, some major roadblocks come in. And the issue there, the adverse incentive that you are under at that point is you've got all this time into it. You've already kind of slotted them into your pipeline. And now all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, hopefully it'll be okay. And the, well, it'll probably be okay mentality is a bias that can really haunt you later on because that's really what contracts are for. I once heard Gary Keller say uh, they shouldn't be called agreements, but they should be called disagreements. They are only used when you find yourself in a very adverse position. And hopefully you rarely, if ever, have to go back and reference your contract. But when you do, that's when you want one that is going to be fair, equitable, and one that you have not taken your standard form and just marked to hell and signed it for the benefit of a client who did so for who knows why, um, but at, at a minimum, quite possibly trust issues. Um, if you've got a client who has trust issues with you, then you need to be asking whether you all should be working together in the first place. So red flag number one, um, major negotiations or markup of your contract. It's like I said, for me, almost always a reason to walk away. Now, let me just caveat there. Maybe there's somebody who has a few small things, you know, we'll negotiate a few small things, but if they turn into, um, serious markups or changes, and that's a subjective statement that you're going to have to qualify yourself, what that means to you, then you got to be willing to walk away. Otherwise you find yourself in a situation that you'll wish you never signed up for. Now on to number two, red flag number two is clients who get easily triggered. I have been fortunate in the 120 plus clients that we've ever had. We've never, um, had a really bad experience with a client. Um, but we've had, I would say probably three or four that we just really wanted to finish the project and get them out of our lives. Um, so we still had a very good success rate. Um, but of those three or four, I think most of them fell into this category that I'm explaining right now. And that is they, for whatever reason, um, just seemed to feel like that we were in this uh, distributive bargaining position the entire time where there's on every transaction, whether it's selecting a finish or um, discussing uh, tile layout, whatever it might be, there is a winner and a loser to every conversation. And someone is looking to potentially um, screw them or someone is wrong or whatever it might be. And it seems like there's this in the background kind of adversarial 
relationship from which they approach things. These are the type of clients who will just eat at you the entire time. And it may be something where you get out okay at the end with clients like these, but they're just going to keep you from making any money on the project. You're just going to spend so much of your time beating your head against the wall, probably either conceding to make them happy or just getting into long disputed um, conflicts with them that it's just not worth it, not worth your time. So that's number two. Number three, this is maybe the the, uh, second cousin of red flag number two. Number three are clients who are overly high strung. And when I say high strung, I mean clients who will just blow you up day, night, weekends, um, rapid fire text messages and emails. If you ever get those, I'm sure a few of you can relate. That also is a red flag. And luckily, if you sign a pre-construction agreement, which is what we always preach, and you take the time up front to go through a really thorough process before you sign a, a contract with a client, you'll be able to get this sense from them. Actually, you'll be able to get the sense um, of the combative clients like we talked about in red flag number two, and then also high strung, like I'm talking about in this point. You'll be able to get a sense of both. And in fact, um, we had uh, this high strung type of client a little over a year ago that we were working with. And uh, luckily, we identified it during the pre-construction phase. Um, we had a, had a sit-down discussion with them about our concerns. And uh, um, luckily, it ended up as a, uh, a peaceful departure between us and them. But it saved us a year or a year and a half of stress and just endless hours responding to communications needs of these clients. One of the things that I should mention, the reason why this is so important uh, is because what I have identified is that the real high strong clients that are just requiring a ton of your time probably cost you, from my experience, about three times as much overhead as a good client. And I know that seems extreme. I have run the math over and over. And that is where I come out. And I think that's probably where most other builders come out. And the thing is, you don't realize that it's that much more overhead, but it oftentimes is. So you're talking about a tremendous amount of extra burden on your company that I almost guarantee none of us are recouping in the form of overhead because then if we were, our, our pricing would probably be out of market compared to the competition. So um, that's why it's best to just steer away from clients like that. You're just going to lose money on all the time and effort you spend on them. On to red flag number four, the fourth and final red flag that I have for you all today. That is clients who ask for special treatment. Now, when I say special treatment, that is somewhat of a broad sweeping category. That can mean uh, negotiating your pricing. 
that can mean um, asking to use their own subcontractors or relationships that they have. So this is perhaps the this is the most subjective of all the red flags. In other words, I will oftentimes continue to work with clients who might fall into this category. I don't think this is necessarily a a bad thing. So, you know, just because a potential client has a brother-in-law or whatever who is a painter and and asks you if they can use their brother-in-law, I think that's a pretty innocuous thing. And what I will do is I will tell people, listen, uh, we have our um, we have our established trade partners. It's something that we don't take lightly. We vet these people over months. We spend months onboarding and training them, getting their insurance, their paperwork, getting them trained on our processes. So we have this policy that we do not uh, take on new trade partners without without months and months of expense and onboarding. And that usually is enough to sway that conversation. And oftentimes people say, okay, I, I get it. And by the way, we actually will go ahead and try to address that before it ever comes up. I have my pre-construction guide that I give to clients whenever we sign the pre-construction contract. It's almost like an addenda to that. And in that, I've got some of the most important critical information that I think we need to share with clients. And that is one of the things that we have in there. That is that we use our own trade partner list. So again, it's not a big deal when someone try, tries that, but if someone like, if it becomes a, a deal central point and someone insists on it, that definitely becomes a red flag for me. And I start questioning a little bit more about how the rest of the project is going to go. If they try to start um, um, exerting those kind of demands on us so early in the process. And then on the other side of things, if you've got a client who asks you to reduce your pricing, for me, I'm reading between the lines about exactly how they're going about doing it. If someone is just solely focusing on our fee and just can't seem to get past it, uh, that is a red flag for me if they try to drive down our compensation. If someone's just over budget and is focusing on how to try to reduce the budget in some fair and equitable way, so that we can get to something that they can afford, well, I can be a little bit more understanding of that. But I will almost never negotiate my fee. I think it just sets a really poor precedent up front where, again, it's this distributive, distributive bargaining mindset where there's a winner and there's a loser, and we have to reduce our fee in, a, in an industry where we already know there's intense competition, not extremely high margins. It's just not a good precedent to set and it's something that can set you up for future negotiations down the line in the project. Uh, not to mention, if you really are dropping or reducing your fee, it puts you a little bit more in a hole from the beginning of the project. So that's it. Those are my four primary red flags. There are, of course, more, you know, beneath it all beneath these principles that I just laid out, it's also just developing and trusting your gut instinct. You just will start to get a feel about who are clients that truly value you and value what you can bring to the table. And those are the clients you need to treat like gold. 
And then you've got those who are going to, in some sense, take advantage of you or look for um, their own benefit above everyone else's. And those are the clients that, of course, you need to stay away from. Unfortunately, all it takes is one bad relationship to put you out of business or to cause you to lose years off of your life. None of that is worth it. That's why it's better to walk away in the beginning than to sign yourself up for something that you'll later regret. One thing I do want to say in closing is that um, it's a two-way street. And if we're going to be filtering out everyone but the good clients, then we need to reciprocate and we need to be that to our clients. We need to be the type of builder who deserves them, the type of builder who is professional, who has excellent systems, processes, customer service, and we build a good house. Now, that's probably preaching to the choir. I would almost guarantee that everybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're listening to a podcast for home builders, you are almost certainly dedicated to your craft. So I commend every one of you guys for that. But y'all know we do have a lot of bad apples out here in the industry that give the rest of us more work to do to overcome the reputation that sometimes gets put upon us. But uh, as long as we are giving to our clients the same that they're giving to us, those good clients, then we're going to have a good project and going to be able to build a great business. So I will say no more on that topic, but I do hope this sheds a little light, a little help for somebody out there who maybe is right now on the fence about a client, doesn't know what to do. I hope this helps or at least helps save you in the future.